Hi everyone, welcome to Morning Matcha. Today's guest is Biet Simkin, and we're really excited to be here with her today. She's a spiritual teacher and an author of the book, Don't Just Sit There. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to finally be connected. It's been something I've been um, wanting to do for a while, and I had no idea you were moving to LA. So. I know. I was like, and then she's coming here. I was like, no, let's just do this. Yeah, yeah. So perfect. And and then we have a panel coming up. So yes, I'm excited to get to know you. So exciting. Yeah. Well, okay. I know your story is just unbelievable, and I just kind of want to start from before you became a spiritual teacher. Yeah. Your background is very interesting. So tell me a little bit about you, where you were born, and and a little bit about your teen and early 20s and what you had gotten into. Uh, sure. Uh, my father was an awakened shaman. So for some people growing up, like, you know, you, you maybe you're like on a quest later in life. It's unusual, I think, to start meditating when you're in diapers, which mm -hmm. is my story. But I had a really tragic life, as you know, and so like my whole family passed away while I was growing up, starting with my mom. And it made me extremely depressed, for anyone who's watching this and knows that feeling. Like it's not something that you're like, oh yeah, mom's dead, like no big. Like it just goes into this very, very dark place. How old were you when she passed? Six. Wow. And yeah. was it um, like sudden or? Sudden. She had pancreatic cancer, oh, which wow. is like this cancer that comes out of nowhere and then kills you. Yeah. Time. So she, and she was kind of like the core of our family. Like my dad was this very, I guess, again, awakened kind of dude. So he was just like, wax on, wax off. Mm -hmm. Like his whole thing was metaphysical. He didn't care about money or real estate or, he didn't care about anything other than like wisdom, knowledge, and sex. He mm -hmm. was kind of like into the sex thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, I did that. I studied with him my whole life. So I was meditating. I was reading esoteric texts from the time that I was a little girl. And I really got it. Like, you know, it's interesting because you can have, like my dad had two kids, my brother and I, and my brother totally doesn't give a shit about any of these mm -hmm. things. He's like super into other things. Mm -hmm. And so- Where did you grow up? Jackson Heights, Queens. Oh, okay. Yeah, Queens. Mm -hmm. uh, we immigrated from Russia a month okay. before I was born. And so we had no money. And in addition to like being first gen like first immigrants, yeah. my also when you when you are immigrants, like you still have a chance, mm -hmm. right? Because you're like, you know, my dad and my mom are both working two jobs and all these things. But when everyone starts to die, it sort of puts a little bit of a wrench in the plan, right? So definitely. Yeah. So she passed when you were six and then your dad was taking care of you guys and you were teaching or you were studying under him yes and then uh, and then I got signed to Sony when I was 18 because mm -hmm. I'm a musician so I turned all of that like anguish into music and did he pass before that no or? my oh, dad okay. was around yeah okay. him and I lived together till I was like 26 years old mm -hmm. and because we were best friends and by then we were like drinking together and you know it was like a party house mm -hmm. my father was like this jazz musician awakened shaman who would like sit in the kitchen with all my friends and preach his gospel. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was really special. Like, he was a very a rebellious person, but he was so authentic in what he brought. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what makes a great teacher too, is authenticity. Like it's not, there was no hypocrisy. Like, yeah. What he said is what he was. Mm -hmm. 
So I got signed, and, and then I just did sex, drugs, and rock and roll for the next decade. Wow. What were you yeah. signed for? Just what kind of music? It was sort of like Cat Power meets Stevie oh. Nicks. You know, it's still the music that I make today, except mm -hmm. now I do these more ethereal sounds, because mm -hmm. I score my meditations with mm -hmm. my own music. Yeah. My gosh. I, I know. To think it all. Oh, you will. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're up to. So you got signed, and then you went down that path. Yeah. You I, said you were on heroin, or? Yes. Uh, not initially. I was just drinking a lot, and then um, I found coke, and then I almost died. I had a near-death experience, and then two years later, I had a baby. And I don't know if you know this part of my story, but I... I d okay, you mentioned a little bit when we talked, but I yeah. don't know. Was this at a time where you were not clean? Like you I were was not clean when I got pregnant. Okay. And then I got clean to have the baby. And then she was born 100% healthy, but then four months later she died of sudden infant death syndrome. And were you with your husband now? Or no, definitely not. I was else? with someone very different. And then... Um, she was with him actually when she passed away. Oh my god. Yeah, and I was like in the other room and he brought her dead to me. Yeah. yeah. And what happened mental health wise with you? I mean, what, like, I, how do you handle something like that? Heroin. Lots of heroin. I Is that when you got into it? I was into dabbling in heroin prior to that, but once she died, I really full stop became like a full daily heroin and cocaine user. And I was hoping that that would cure the sadness that was inside me from that. But then things just got worse and worse. Like shortly after my baby passed away, my house burnt down. And then shortly after that, one of my best friends hung himself. And then shortly after that, my father died suddenly of a heart attack. So it was kind of like the universe was like, you are on the wrong path. This is not what we're trying to do here. And I was very rebellious. Like I was like, I'm not doing what you want me to do. Yeah. So, and, and I also felt very entitled and very, at that time I was very selfish. I would be what most people would call an alcoholic, mm -hmm. you know, and whatever the, the uh, descriptions of that word mean, right? Like selfish, self-centered, entitled, lazy. I was all of those things. How were you, like, how did you have a career with all this going I on? I didn't. No, oh, I didn't. How were you no. making, like, ends meet? Um, I had a lot of rich friends. I, uh, my father took care of me until he died. Like, he, he had no money, but he would, like, pay my rent and buy me, you know, bread and caviar. So all I really had to figure out was how to pay for my drugs. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I was able to figure that out. Especially and you were signed at this point? Like, no. Or you were, you had lost that. Yeah. You had lost the baby. You, yeah. I lost everything. But I wasn't also, I was very much like I had something. And I want to speak to that because I don't know who's listening to this, but I think a lot of people think that the trajectory to fame and success and beauty and wealth and love and all things that I have today is like one from like one end of the spectrum to the other. But the thing that they don't understand is that like on a spiritual level, like I had that connection with the divine. Yeah. I had uh, true love. Like I was loved in a way that I there's no amount of money that could pay for or, mm -hmm. or create. And so I knew certain fundamental values that I have not gained since. My trajectory has been more one of like, okay, I'm not going to be living in abject poverty. I'm going to be rich. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be single forever. I'm going to find the man of my dreams. I'm not, you know, going to be lost career-wise. I'm going to create something that no one's ever done before. So despite 
everything that you had gone through and everything you were going through, you still held on to those fundamental beliefs that you were loved, you had the connection, and you knew deep down that this wasn't your life and that you were going to create something bigger for yourself. Is that right? Um, yeah. I think I knew, but I didn't know what. Yeah. And I was very much in victim mode also. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever done that done that for part sure. Of, yeah. But I just thought I'm a victim. Like, I was like, if you had it the way I had it, if you lost your mom, if you lost your whole family, if you had no money, if you, and because I remember we used to do like law of attraction stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever tried that one, but yeah. like I would sit there and be like, okay, I feel really rich. And I was like, I don't fucking feel rich. Yeah. Like I would get so mad because I, I wasn't rich. And so what I learned later is actually you have to figure out feeling that way before you get there. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah, like, to believe and feel, yeah. And it was, but it was such a stretch and mm-hmm. it sounded so hokey. I was like, how can you say that if mm-hmm. I'm going to believe it, then all of a sudden it's going to mm-hmm. like, no, it, it really is that simple. And all the truths of life are that simple, mm-hmm. right? So, but I was unwilling. I was like, if you had it like I had it, if you lost your baby, you know, you would you would be miserable and on heroin too. So, how did you shift all that? Like, you must have done major reprogramming. Yeah. And, but then, how do you get to that point <laughs> to even be inspired to do that? Or, I mean, I'm sure hitting rock bottom inspires people to do that, and definitely sounds like that's what happened. But but what happened? Yeah, I hit rock bottom, but I think that there was something in me, like a, a will to... I had a moment, like an aha moment, and it was about 11 years ago, because I've been sober for 11, almost 11 years. Mm-hmm. And there was this aha moment where I was like, I'm going to be... Like, I was 29 at the time, and I was like, I'm going to be 40, and then what is going to change in my life? If I just keep doing things the way I'm doing them now, like, I'll just be 40, but I'm not going to have the things that I really want in life. And in my mind, I was like, I want to, because I used to shoplift, right? And I was like, you can't shoplift a beautiful home. Yeah. Like, there's just no way. So I was like, so this isn't going to work to the ends, like the ends that I want. Or like, you can't, like, if I keep failing in my love relationships, which I then was, like every single guy I dated, it was like a a total disaster. Disaster, And so I remember actually, like one time I was walking down the street and I was like trying not to text an ex-boyfriend, you know those moments when you're mm-hmm. like, just don't text him. Mm-hmm. And I like prayed out to the universe, which it's something I write about in my book, like it's important to do asking, I call it the law of asking instead mm-hmm. of prayer, because I know prayer can be like a big controversial topic, because mm-hmm. who is God, blah blah. But the truth is, is that you have something in you that knows all things, mm-hmm. whether you believe me or not, it's like irrelevant, but it's like, I know you get it, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, I'm like, please help me, you know? So I was like, please help me not text this guy. Please help me not text this guy. And and then I'm, of course, because I'm kind of like an Italian mobster when the way I communicate <laughs> with the divine. So I was like, what am I going to get if I don't text this guy? Like as if God or the universe needs to give oh, me something. something. Yeah. And so I was like, well, what do I get if I don't text him? And all of a sudden, I'm not even like exaggerating. I look up and it's a misty night in New York City. And New York is never misty. Mm-hmm. This is in San Francisco. Like it was like a San Francisco levels of misty night mm-hmm. in New York. And I look up and then in front of me, about four meters in front of me is my husband, my current husband. Oh my gosh. And he, he and I were just chill. friends. And I look up and I was like, his name's Kristoff. And I was like, are you saying that if I don't text this loser, like I get to be with Kristoff? And I swear the universe or God or whatever you want to call it said to me point blank, yeah. Just Whoa. kind of like it's that simple, you know? Well, how long after that did you guys get together? Uh, a year. 
Wow. It was like a little, like little close to a year. And you had already known him. Yeah, we were friends. But I had to let go of treating him like a piece of meat. Like I don't know, you know, like people think only men objectify women, but women objectify men. Mm -hmm. Like I used to totally meet my girlfriends and be like, wow, like I'm gonna hit that, or like it was a lot of ego. Mm -hmm. And I had to let all of that go and restructure the way that I saw men completely. Like they didn't validate me or like as I used to be the kind of girl who if I walked down the street and if men didn't check me out I just thought I wasn't attractive yeah like I use that mm -hmm. and so I had to switch that too I had to be like okay it comes from within well no, no just more like ew yeah why is that even a compliment mm -hmm. that some gnarly person in the street just checked out my bod like that's I yeah, a seeing, violation well no, not really I was just kind of like I'm hot that's it. Like mm -hmm. the fact that they think I'm hot, that's kind of a duh. Mm -hmm. And instead of being like, oh my God, like they think I'm hot. Like stop acting like you don't freaking know that you're hot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, you're hot. Get over it. Move yeah. on. You know? Yeah. Focus on something else. Yeah. Make there's more things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So how did you get sober? Like who, I mean, getting sober off heroin yes. is a big deal. So I want to hear that. Um, I found a really sweet friend who was like really into holistic teas and stuff like that to, I mean, I find like ayahuasca. No, 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 oh, okay. no, like totally like, like, like you know, actually like yogi like tea, tea by, yeah. by yeah, yogi by Jean or whatever, like yeah. just tea. And like, I took Xanax and stuff to like sleep, but I kicked in two days. I just like laid around and cold I, turkey, cold turkey. And she took care of me during those two days. And when I emerged on the other side, I was sober. I've never touched anything. Wow. Yeah. And everything kept going up from there? Yeah, I think at first it was like extraordinary because I was like, oh my god, like I'm eating a burger, sober, and like, oh my god, I'm having sex, <gasps> sober, like it was shocking. And so that was fun for about two years, and I fell in love during that time with Christoph. That was fun, you know, sober. And that he's sober too, you know, so like we have this thing That's in nice. common. Yeah. And so we had, I didn't feel like any temptation. But after two years, I was like, this is super boring. Like, this is not what I signed up for. And I think that's when the download came that I needed to really return to my father's work and make it my life's purpose. purpose. Yeah, because I was still, I still didn't have that endless bliss flowing through my body at all times. I still didn't have the philosophical means to cure and condition all of my problems in life. I mm -hmm. still didn't have... Um, an ability to connect vulnerably with people that I just met, like you do at four in the morning when you're starting coke. Yeah. You know? So like I wanted that, and mm -hmm. I, I decided to find it. And once I found it, which I did pretty instantly, I made it my. I just returned to my father's work. I started having weekly meetings with people who would study this work with me, and within a few years, like I was high as a kite, naturally. And once you have that. You have no choice but mm -hmm. to start spreading it, and that's where my career began. So now, what I want to hear more about your work now. I do these epic mass meditation experiences all over the world with thousands of people. I score the events with my own music. I give talks. People, um, people often ask me why I don't take up a career in comedy when I'm done with my performances, oh, wow. which... I'm always like, I have a career, mm -hmm. but it's always like, it's kind of a compliment, but I'm just like, but they're serious. They're like, do you, have you thought about comedy? I'm like, I'm totally down to like host Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Like, so you I'm just, need to be on Saturday Night Live. Definitely. 
So all I need to do is become like, you know, that level of famous, right? So yeah. I can be like, oh, she needs to host Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the trajectory that... But how did you get there? I mean, do, are you signed or like, it's just all, I mean... Yeah, no, I'm not signed yet. No. I don't know if I'll ever be signed. I don't even know how... I, who signed? There's, there's no industry yeah. for what there's I do. No industry. It's like You're going to create that. Yeah. You're going to be the one that starts signing people. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know about that. I'm an artist. Like, I feel like... Your own I'm, label. <laughs> no. I don't know about that. I, th I definitely would love to be on, like, managed by someone who's a visionary like mm -hmm. that. But I, myself, I know my strengths, what I'm good at, is not signing other people. That's for sure. It's really just making art and moving people to a new level of consciousness. And then, but you're moving to LA. Yeah. So what inspired that? So many things. I mean, I'm there all the time for work anyway. And to me, LA and New York are like my homes and my mm -hmm. heart. I have best friends in both places. But it's freezing in New York. I have just had a baby. I have a real baby now. Mm -hmm. It's like alive, mm -hmm. you know? And every, so I just sweet. don't want to put her in a parka to go to the playground. Yeah. It just seems unnecessary. So. Okay, so you and Kristoff had a baby. Yeah. And did how did you hear about any fear around that? Like, was there fear surrounding that with SIDS? Yes, there still is. I mean, I'm horrified. Every time I come to her crib, um, she sleeps in a guava. I don't know if you know what that thing is. but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have one of those. It's a great little yeah. thing. And with the little stars. I just think she's dead, literally, every single time. Every time. It's so hard. It's it's exhausting, but it's also like fun because she's not dead. Yeah. Time. But You're like she's alive. I mean, it's so really, really exciting. My heart is like almost, and I'm like, and I always have to touch her to make sure she's not dead. Um, she's so amazing, and mm -hmm. I've never like I've never loved like this in my life. Even with Lula, my daughter who passed away, I don't think I had the capacity. I think there is something to be said for a spiritual awakening that allows you to feel this full spectrum of emotions both bad and good mm -hmm. that like it just it just allows you there's an allowance because I think before in my life I would allow myself some of the good feelings but I wouldn't allow the bad you know I would suppress the bad allow the good yeah but the weird thing is is that true love like has to incorporate both of those yeah. feelings so mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah I believe it yeah so what are you excited about? I mean, your book just came out. Yes. Are um, you doing more stuff around that? Yeah, of course. I mean, the book is everything. The way it was written so that people can read it, but also can meet weekly and mm -hmm. use the chapters. They're divided into laws that prevent you from enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So each law unpacks something that's working against your enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And you can use the law, see how it's operating in your life, and then work to live above the law. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were talking when you were saying, because you've transformed on every level, yeah. right? Relationship, finance. Yeah. So how do you, and you were saying you like quadrupled what you were making because you knew that you wanted a certain level of support when you were having cash. Yes. So how did that happen? Like, how did you just create that for yourself? I, I mostly just meditated and, and said like, okay, what do I need? And I looked at the numbers and I was like, this isn't going to work. So I, I looked at what I wanted, what would be my ideal scenario, what needs to be paid for. And I just shifted the numbers. I started bringing in more speaking gigs. I started bringing in more modeling gigs. And I raised my rates for my personal clients. Mm -hmm. And then the numbers just changed. right? And uh, it's really about asking yourself, like, what am I worth? I don't 
there's only one of me in the whole world. So, you yeah. know, this is how much it costs to have me speak at your thing. And so I've always been very kind of hardcore about that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So if we were talking about business, like that's something that's really worked for me, is actually being very grounded on the ground. Yeah. Um, and I've done everything pretty much by myself. Like it's not been like, I don't have like a big team. Mm -hmm. They just got written up in the New York Post like a month oh, ago. cool. Yeah, on page six of wow. all things. It's such a funny. For what? It said like this spiritual teacher uh, chooses to find enlightenment through shopping and sex. <laughs> of course, that's what it said. Yeah. Which is really what I do, but that's not the full story. Mm -hmm. They didn't say like this spiritual teacher who went through like abject poverty and blah. Like it didn't talk about my history. Mm -hmm. It just said like I'm so lavish. So of course everyone thinks I'm like some entitled white girl. Yeah. Which I was like, that's not really the truth. You're like, but I'm gonna look into it and see that I'm not. Yeah. If they took the time, mm -hmm. like they would, they would see that. And even if I was an entitled white girl, like there's nothing wrong with being an entitled white girl. Or maybe the entitled part, no, but white girl. Like, I think people need to let go of their shame. Many of my, I mean, I have clients that range from all the different categories of life. Mm -hmm. But most people that I work with that are born wealthy have a lot of shame around that. Yeah, a and lot like of shame everyone else pretending to be poor. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, like, you need to like rejigger your Raya profile because you're not poor. <laughs> like, that's yeah. actually not true. And so it just feels like so alive when people are really just themselves. So important to share that information because I think you can't dumb down who you are or whatever. I mean, you're your own person and being that way, you can give back. You can do so yes. many things and there's so much you can offer. So why not just focus on that rather right. than trying to be something you're not? You know? right. And beating yourself up yeah. and like thinking of the starving children in Africa as if like Okay, so when I was on heroin and making like zero dollars a month for a living, you know, or whatever, I made like 20 bucks an hour as a caterer here and there. Like that was my life. Like, was I being more philanthropic yeah. during those no. times? Like, no, I'm not any more useful as a poor person than I am as a wealthy, like it just, I think people have really horrible, misconceived yeah. uh, notions about this stuff. So mm -hmm. I don't even know how we got down this. I, just page six. Being oh, page lavish. six. Oh yeah, and of course like Jezebel jumped right on it and wrote like a nasty piece about me being some entitled white girl, which I was like, wait, what? Like, How much time did you take to research that? But anyway, whatever, yeah. that happened. But some many people messaged me after that and were like, who's your press agent? Like, what do you do? And I was like, I, I don't, like I just... They just picked it up and they just... Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. People want to be on in New York Post, just... I think so, I mean, I would, I would, I yeah. have, yeah. yeah, I always dreamed I would be on page six, so it was a really cool, I like, um, I like society and gossip columns and all that, I think that stuff is really fun, I think if, as long as yeah. you're not, like, making it your god. Uh, yeah, know? exactly, I think, yeah, just being part of culture and the yeah. hype and, you know, I agree with you, I think, um, even, like, with us, with the wellness world, it's like, come on, let's just... Let's just take a chill pill and know that, like I used to be like, no rap, absolutely no rap. It's so bad. It, like it gets in your subconscious and it's mm. not okay and I'm never going to listen to it again. And then I was like, but I love it. I love it for yeah. certain times and I love that it speaks to my emotions or that it reminds me of my childhood or certain things. And so now I just, you know, pick and choose or whatever, but it's just funny how we can um, just X certain things out and think that they're just bad. Yeah. Unless it's heroin. 
Well, I mean, even in that case, I don't look back. I remember I met with a friend of mine who knew me back in those days. And I said, oh, I wasted like 10 years on that drug. And he was like, I wouldn't say you wasted it. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you mean? And he was like, I just think you were burning some stuff off. You know, like you wow. needed to burn it off so that you could become the woman that you are today. And how insightful. Yeah, I thought it was a really beautiful interpretation. So do you have a lot of the same friends? No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you had to get out, or you just kind of re... It's weird. Re the world is really not real, just so for, you know, like it's not real. So everything that you become is what your life becomes. Like, you can't possibly have the same people around you once mm -hmm. you transform because it's not even the same matrix. It's but like a different... Christoph came after I got sober. I met him when I was three days sober. It was like the universe was like, they knew my weak spot. Like I always cared so deeply about love and wanting to fall in love. It was like my big dream in life. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even present to how ambitious I was. I certainly didn't think I had, I thought someone doesn't have to come and save me. Like when mm -hmm. it comes to love, I kind of was always very confident with love. Like I was like, I'm destined to find love, no problem. I'm mm -hmm. gonna have babies, like no problem. And all of that was exactly right. Like I just was like, easy, right? Mm -hmm. But when it came to success, fame, wealth, uh, visibility, and career, I really didn't believe in myself in those because I saw my father as my hero and he didn't care about those things. Yeah. So I was like, if I'm a spiritual teacher, I didn't know I was a spiritual teacher. I, I'm an artist, right? Mm -hmm. so like, if I'm an artist, but I don't know how to make money, I don't know how to this, I don't know how to that. And I had to like restructure all that stuff. I had to read like books on finance, like, things I never thought I would do. Yeah, like, how do you even get through a book on finance? <laughs> I don't know, like, I just yeah. was, like, reading them voraciously. Like, I got so into business and finance. That's and so great. Yeah, I really, like, it was, it was fun. Because it was, I think, really a spiritual experience mm -hmm. also is someone doing what they're not programmed to do, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're programmed to, like, be a doctor because your parents thought you should do that, mm -hmm. blah, 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 then, like, for you, a spiritual experience would just be not to do that. Or to become like William Carlos Williams, where you're also a famous poet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's it's so true. Like, not just falling in a path because that's what has been shown to you. Like, really just opening it up and yeah. seeing what is possible. Yeah. I think even that, I think about that with college too, right? I mean, I went to college and I'm grateful for my education, but... Um, I just always think like we're just you know go to school and then go to college and then get married and then right. do this and I did that and my, my husband and I have been together since I was 16 he was 17 and I mean I love him and we just immediately connected I don't like I didn't follow this path I just so happened that it also with his was this traditional path that people do go down. And I was like, gosh, how boring. I ended up on that path that I like didn't think I would be on. Yeah. But um, but how wonderful because I love my husband and mm. everything's so great. But I just always, you know, my sister isn't on that path. And um, it wasn't that way for her. And I think that for me, like, she always feels like an outcast because that's not her trajectory. Oh. But I'm always like, no, like, that's not the way things are supposed to be. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to get married when you're young. You don't have to have a baby right now. And, and I just want everyone to know that. Yeah, very much. Yeah. I and mean, there's so many options. And I think that it's also all about interpretation. Like mm -hmm. when I see someone who's like 70 being like, now I'm gonna learn Japanese. Yeah, which is so great.
I, I don't know if that's great for everybody, but if that's what you want to do, like mm -hmm. the, the saddest thing to me is someone saying, I'm too old to do that now, mm -hmm. or I, I, I wasn't born to do that, my family didn't do that, or that's too hard, I wouldn't be able to. I mean, that's how it is with, with everything that I've done so far, and I hope to do more. I mean, I just drove for the first time. So I'm a New Yorker. I didn't know how to drive at all. And so I was in San Francisco. I just did this mass meditation in a planetarium there. Yeah, you were saying that. It sounds so beautiful. It was epic. I couldn't see all the, because I was on the stage, so I couldn't see all the beautiful stars, but everyone else could. And I was guiding them through my insane experience, which gets you high as a kite, mm -hmm. scored by my music, all the things. And the next day, I went out to have dinner with the founder of that company. We were like hanging out. And we got into this deep like hangout zone. Mm -hmm. You know that one where you're like driving for hours just listening to music yes. and like, talking? So we were in that zone together. And it's somewhere into like, it was one in the morning. We're driving across the, the Golden Gate Bridge for like the second time. And he goes, and I was like, oh yeah, I don't know how to drive. And he was like, what? <laughs> And I was like, I don't know how to drive. And he stops the car and just gets out of the driver's seat with the door open. He's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. He's like, that's not going to work in this car. Whoa. And I was like, no, dude, like, I'm going to kill you. And he was like, no, you're not. You're going to drive. And so I just got around. And this guy's name is Ride, which is also kind of amazing. <laughs> that's his name. I need to. Okay, this so is I insane. get out of the car, get into the driver's seat, and I'm totally good at driving. I drive all over San Francisco. He even directs me all the way back to my hotel. I cannot drive in San Francisco, and I've been driving forever, I mean, so that's crazy. It's crazy, like up the hill, down the hill, like everything. Whoa. Yeah. Was it a weird feeling to get? I mean, no. It felt so natural, and I was like totally afraid of it. I was like, no, no, I'll suck at it. There was one moment where I like looked left and the car went right, as yeah. you will imagine. Like I was like, uh, you know, and he, but he stopped me. But I, he was like, you'll get used to it. Like that kind of stuff get, goes away with time. Yeah. So are you going to, well, you're going to drive yeah, I'm in LA. Drive. Yeah. Crazy. Isn't that crazy. Does your husband drive? Oh yeah. Okay. Totally. Everyone drives me all over the place. Yeah. Like I'm just totally like I've just been chauffeured my whole life. That's so. That's gonna feel so amazing because when you're like 16, and so in California, the age is 16 to get your license. Yeah. Uh, that sense of freedom when you when you get your own when you get your license and you get your car. At least the car that you're driving is the best feeling. Wow. Now I, I hate driving, but you do. Yeah, <laughs> so in LA. yeah, totally. But that's so awesome. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I just love hearing your story and the transformation, and I'm excited to look more into your book and and also for our panel this week. So yeah, I'm so excited. Thanks for joining I'm us. I'm glad we're both new moms. Yeah, too. same. We have lots to talk about. Mm -hmm. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or review, and share with your friends. I'm always reading our comments and love hearing from you, so keep in touch, and I'll see you next time.